0: and hey it's a uh, it is an honor to preach this morning thank you carter and, uh, I just want to say, my name's Ben Kathy. I get to be the executive pastor at Mountaintop and, uh, absolutely honored to preach. We will be sharing communion, uh, at the end. So if you're here in person, uh, and you missed a little cup on your way in, uh, you may want to sneak and grab one. I won't call you out if you do that. And then if you're at home, uh, get something that would honor God, uh, that you have with you, uh, so that you can share in communion and we can all share in communion together at the end of worship today. Uh, Hey, Simply Christmas. Well, I want to ask really one question, but I want to ask it in three different ways today. And so uh, the question is, or the first question would be, uh, what does Christmas mean to you? What does Christmas mean to you? You know, Christmas means a lot of things. We have different expectations, different traditions, different experiences, and, and sometimes they all just sort of go together. For example, um, a couple years ago, I started the tradition of wearing this sweater most Christmases. Uh, this is my Star Trek Christmas Pizza Kitty sweater, and um, it is a sight. One time, I went to visit someone in the hospital with this on, and uh, anyway, uh, Learn not to do that. Uh, I, there are other things. I, this little book right here has become, this little book, uh, Hidden Christmas by Timothy Keller. Very, very meaningful. See, some are frivolous, some are meaningful. Um, these little tumbling Santas, I love them. Uh, Santas, playful, right? We pull these out every year. I guess we've had these for 10 or 15 years in our house. And we pull them out every year. And my wife maybe just saw them and said, those better come back home. Uh, this is really meaningful to us. Uh, This is the nativity scene from my house. And this came from Walmart. It was 1995. And we bought it during the very first year of our marriage. And it's been in a prominent place in our living room ever since. So so we all have different symbols, don't we? How about your symbols? Your your part of what you do at Christmas. Timothy Keller in his little book Hidden Christmas says this about Christmas. He says that Christmas is the only Christian holy day that is also a major secular holiday. And nothing could be further from the truth, could it? Uh, there's sort of this uh, c- cacophony of uh, symbols and meanings and traditions, and they all just crash together this time of year, right? In fact, I want to ask you, I'll sort of think through your own Christmas world, maybe holy on one side, holiday on the other, maybe sacred, secular on the other. Where's, where's your meter? A whole lot of holiday, a little bit of holy, a whole lot of holy, a little bit of holiday, or a whole bunch of everything, right? You know, we all approach this season differently, don't we? Um, some of us love it. If you're here today, you probably love it. Some of us don't love it some of us try to ignore it some of us can't wait some of us jump in the day after Halloween anybody anybody jump in the day especially this year I saw some people I mean Halloween was over the next day I saw Christmas lights right well with all these different things coming together you know some of them are are good and and godly Um, the, the holy and the holiday come together, and there's the sense of, of family and of giving and of, of well wishes and of peace on earth. Um, Toys for Tots is a wonderful thing. The, the, the bell ringers with the red buckets are wonderful. The great uh, Christmas carols and the brand-new songs written about Christmas and Jesus are all a good and holy part of this holiday. And, and then, in the middle... There's some other things. And, you know, we're not sure. We're not sure about them, are we? I mean, they're, they're fun, maybe they're a little frivolous, like our ugly Christmas sweater, like, um, you know, Elf on the Shelf. We're, we're not quite sure about the elf, right? And grandma got run over by a reindeer coming home from our house. Anybody want to give me a name besides Grandma? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we won't try that this morning. Christmas movies, they're, they're, a lot of them are sort of in the middle, right? I mean, from uh, Home Alone to Elf to Christmas Vacation to every Hallmark movie, every Created to Die Hard. I mean, all the Christmas movies, a lot of them are right in the middle, right? And then there's this other part of Christmas, too. It's, it's part of it too. I mean, we have the, the good and godly. We have sort of the, we're not sure, but it sure is fun. And then we have the part where we're like, wow, this, this probably isn't good. You know, yesterday I was out um, in. You know, traffic. Um, we went to take a nice little hike at Red Mountain, and then we had to stop by the store and get something like everybody else in Birmingham yesterday. And um, a lady comes around this car and cuts in front of this car and then cuts in front of me. And um, I wasn't angry at her. I just wanted her to know that I noticed that she was driving like an idiot. So, um, I just, toot, on the horn like that, and, and, and June looked at me, and, and I sarcastically said to her, well, I can tell that person is out aggressively celebrating the birth of Jesus, <laughs> right? Um, sometimes this just doesn't come together quite the right way. This season can also bring uh, pressure, pressure to live up to the expectations. With that sometimes comes debt. The pressure can can bring debt. Um, This season can bring uh, overindulgence. It can bring uh, drunkenness. On the other side of these things, right in the middle of them, this season can also bring a heightened sense of grief for a loved one that's been lost or depression for a life that's not being lived um, or even uh, loneliness because there's just not enough people to celebrate with it. I recently, uh, through the glory of a premium membership with Spotify, uh, was introduced to some of our new Christmas songs, and I came across a new one by uh, Georgia-Florida Line, and uh, it surprised me a little bit. The, the (laughs) The chorus goes like this, that Christmas tree ain't the only thing getting lit this year. Has anybody else heard this song? There's old camp in the eggnog, and that fridge is full of cheers. Got some good old Christmas spirit in that cup right here. That Christmas tree ain't the only thing getting lit this year. That's the chorus. And the song goes on to talk about uh, how Uncle is in the pantry sneaking something from a flask, and how Nanny's nodding off again, and it makes us all laugh, and how if Santa comes by here, it better be his last stop because he won't be able to drive holy and holiday. Well, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus in the midst of this cacophony of traditions and symbols and gatherings and and, and good things and, and, and not so good things, I need to ask another question, and that's this one. We ask it just a little bit differently. What does Christmas mean to God? What does Christmas mean to God? You know, it was an interesting question to me because I got to tell you, some Christmases, I don't think beyond um, sharing a message or a sermon about Christmas, I've stopped long enough to think, what does Christmas mean to God? Well, I'm going to tell you about a couple of people. One person I knew um, would never open presents at Christmas a couple of years in a row. Just, you know, hey, open your presents. Uh, uh, I'll open it later. You guys open yours. And, and then one day as a, as a boy, I found those Christmas presents like in the guest closet, like in the summertime. I was like, wow, why why didn't they open their present? And I I later found out that this person was just buried with a sense of of guilt and shame that came with uh, keeping secrets and uh, betrayal of relationships. And so the gifts remain unopened because this person felt unworthy of the love of other people. I got to say to God, Christmas is a gift to be opened, and God wants everybody to open it, regardless of our worth, regardless of where we're at on the scale between holy and holiday or what last Christmas was like. It's a gift to be opened. You see, we find in Scripture that it is a loving, merciful, grace-filled gift from God. And no matter how far our distance is, or no matter how deep our dark is, God wants us to open it. Well, let me tell you about another man. You, you meet people in the course of life, don't you? This man, his uh, marriage was not going well. He, he, um, he had three different jobs in a year. He uh, was in debt. His uh, wife and children feared him. His home was in chaos. And trying to help him out, and gently asked him about his relationship with God. His response was shrill, almost a shriek. I don't need to be saved. I'm doing just Fine. Well, a year later, uh, defax had visited his home more than once. His wife had left him. He lost his job, and a couple of years after that, he signed away the rights to his children. You see, to God, Christmas is so important. To God, Christmas. Is when salvation becomes real. Not, not something we talk about, but something that we receive and something that changes us. You see, it's not a religion that Jesus brought. It's not a rule. It's not a ritual that Jesus brought. It was not an unrealistic standard that Jesus brought. That's a lot of our idea about who Jesus is and what he brings, you know. But it was salvation from the destruction that sin would bring, from the destruction that we would bring upon ourselves that self-inflicted, and from the destruction that others would bring to us into our midst and into our life. See, this salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift that we that we receive, and, and it's something that um, when implanted deep in our hearts, it has a power unlike anything else. The power of, of this salvation, it can topple governments. The power of the salvation can topple every injustice. It can topple every racial division. It can topple every corrupt king. It can topple every problem, every conflict, every struggle, every power. It can topple every sin. Because the king of Christmas is Jesus. And this salvation is both gentle and powerful. Powerful. A baby came wrapped in swaddling cloths. Yet, he was the king of kings and lord of lords. He was the lamb of God and the lion of Judah. He was the prince of peace and he was mighty God. He was the good shepherd and he is the everlasting father. You see, to God, Christmas is when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords arrives. So let's talk a little bit about that arrival this morning. See many of us, I hope, on Christmas Day at some point we'll we'll pick up the good book. (laughs) We'll gather around with some folks that we're we're dear to, and and we'll open Luke chapter 2, and we'll begin with, in those days, Caesar Augustus, right? If you don't have that tradition, start it this year. It's a good one. But the story begins before Luke chapter two, Luke chapter one, these last two sundays we we 've been looking at Luke actually the story began in genesis right i mean god 's been pursuing us for years and, and years and hundreds and, and, and years but but then in Luke chapter one, the arrival begins to happen, and, and a couple of people come on the scene I see there's um, there's uh, an angel comes and speaks to Zechariah, and he's married to Elizabeth. And, and then an angel comes and speaks to Mary, and she's engaged to Joseph. And, and you know that, right? But what the angel tells Zechariah is that you're going to have a baby. And scripture tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth are older in years. And so when the angel tells Zechariah, You're going to have a baby, and you're going to name him John, Zachariah says, What? And he says, how is that going to happen? I don't think so. And so the angel says, okay, Zechariah, I'll show you. And he says, you won't be able to speak until your baby's born. And so Zechariah leaves that moment with God in the temple, and he can't speak. And, he, and the Bible tells us he comes out, and there's people like, what happened in there, Zechariah? And he's like, oh. you know? And then... In the interim, there, you know, um, (laughs) we find out that Elizabeth and Mary are cousins. And so, if this story happened in the United States, it would definitely happen in the South, right? Because Elizabeth, and so Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, and this baby that was promised to Zachariah, who would be named John, jumps for joy. It begins to kick when, when Mary comes near because John has a very special purpose. John is going to prepare the way for the Lord. In fact, when finally, nine months later, we come to the time where, where John is born. And then eight days after that, John is taken to the temple to be circumcised. This was customary in that day. And, and, and Zechariah still hasn't spoken. And finally, they say, what name is going to be given to this child? And Elizabeth speaks up and says, John. And everybody goes, no, that's not a family name. You can't name him John. And so Zechariah says here, and Zechariah gets a piece of paper, and he writes, name him John. And John, coming from uh, the, the Hebrew root um, that would have Yahweh, uh, it was Yohanan, it was and it would mean gift from God, or, or God is gracious. And so, so John would come, and as soon as Zechariah wrote that uh, phrase down, and they named this baby John, Zechariah was able to speak. And Zechariah shared prophetic words for the first time that God shared prophetic words through a human being in 400 years. And the arrival was happening. And so it's natural. In in, in verse John, in in John uh, chapter 1, verse 66, folks who witnessed this happen, they said, it says this, it says, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. This uh, miracle of a couple who were along in their years having a baby. This miracle of a man who who couldn't speak and, and then he could speak. This miracle of a baby named John caught everyone's attention. And when Zechariah was alone with the angel, we found out more about who John was going to be. Because the angel told Zechariah this from verse 17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John's work would be to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Are we ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? Zechariah's words were so instructive. Most of what Zechariah told us about was Jesus. Jesus is the main character in this story, right? But he had just a couple of sentences about his new son, John. Listen to what Zechariah says about John. Verses 676 and 77. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord, that's Jesus, to prepare the way for him. And to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. John's work was to give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. The chapter goes on to say that this is given to us because God is merciful. It's given to us as a light in the darkness. It's given to us to guide our feet in the way of peace. So John would grow. John would grow. And, and the message that John would come out of the wilderness telling people was this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This was John's work. This was John's calling. Repent. See, repentance is a journey. From unholy to holy. It's the the flashpoint where we make a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Repentance is the place where a misdirected, out-of-order, chaotic life gets back in alignment with God's way and God's will. Repentance comes with every move of God among A group of people. Repentance comes with every revival. Repentance comes with every wish that a church would grow and be effective in its community. Repentance comes before a better 2021. See, try as I might, I'm not God, I'm not Jesus. Try as I might, my way is not the best way. See, sometimes when we hear the word repent, i got to ask you, what did you hear? When I said that, like, whoa, don't we talk about how God loves us in our brokenness these days? Isn't that what we talk about? That's 100% true. God loves us in our brokenness. What did you hear when I said, you know, sometimes we hear shame. We hear, we hear judgment. We hear browbeating when someone uses the word Repentance. It's usually not presented as good news. I never forget um, a day of baptism, and um, man, I had the honor of baptizing about fifteen people in a lake outside. It was awesome. It was at a park, and as it so happened, the same day we scheduled for baptisms outside at that lake, and had a picnic and had people gathered. another group of christians had gathered just just down the way and they had brought this microphone system with them where everybody in the whole park and town could hear them and the preacher of that group got up to preach and boy, he was slinging it, and he was angry, and he was yelling, and I was, it was crazy. I was out there in the water baptizing folks, like dead and buried to sin, risen to new life in Christ. Yay, and this guy was over there going, literally, I heard him say, and when you put your finger down in the miry muck of hell, and and I was just like, really? And we were, were, and so this this, this, this man, his name was Tim. He comes out to be baptized. And, and he goes under, and he comes back up, and we're celebrating. I give him a hug, and he looks at me. Guys, you can't make this up. He looks at me and says, that's my old preacher. And I thought to myself, that old preacher never told him that repentance was good news. That on the other side of repentance is life. That on the other side of repentance is the joy that comes with knowing the fullness of God. That old preacher never told him that repentance isn't so much about feeling guilty, that repentance is about turning from where I headed away from God and turning back toward God. And the only reason I can do that is because of the love and grace of God. God brought us, John, to prepare the way for the ultimate gift, Jesus Christ. See, repentance ultimately is a gift. It's a turning. And it's given to us by God's greatest gift, His Son. You see it's less about the absence of a penalty and more about the restoration of a relationship see we turn we turn from our way and we turn toward God's way and in that turning a stranger becomes a friend a darkness can turn to light, Uh, distance turns to closeness, Uh, judgment turns to grace, loneliness turns to love, And, and sin turns to salvation because of the gift of Jesus Christ at Christmas. So to God, Christmas happened because I can't, I can't pull myself together, but Jesus can So, last question. We're going to circle back around. i want to ask you today to consider before we leave, what does Christmas mean to you? Back when I had young ones in the house, we decided to try to teach our kids about Jesus. Um, that's right. Even preachers try to teach their kids about Jesus. And so we decided that on that Christmas, we would get a birthday cake for Jesus. And on Christmas Day, we would light a candle, and we'd hold up the birthday cake, and we'd sing, Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Jesus, happy birthday to you. And all my little guys, none of them even in grade school yet, were gathered around, and we sang happy birthday. You know how children can be. One of them says, if we're having a birthday party for Jesus, then why isn't he here? put on my theological hat. Think of everything I ever learned in seminary. Okay, here's why he's not here. They're like, Okay, that seemed to make sense. But if he knocks on the door, I want you to know, I will let him in. Isn't that a good word? From the mouth of a child. If Jesus knocks on the door, I'll let him in. You know, if we're heading away from God... If our heart has become aligned with unholy things. God rarely comes to us and gives us a horse collar, right? And I know that 80% of us here are SEC football fans and you know exactly what a horse collar is, okay? God doesn't do that. God mostly comes and taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, this way. Hey, this way. And so I would wonder, Where's God tapping us on the shoulder this morning? Where do we need to let God in this Christmas? We're going to close with communion today. And here we celebrate God's gift to us in Jesus Christ. We celebrate the fact that um, Jesus sacrificed himself for us so that he can forgive our sin just like John said, so that we can repent, we can turn just like John said. As we celebrate that, I want you to know that God invites you to take the bread and the juice as your own if you truly and earnestly repent of your sin and intend to follow Jesus wherever he would lead. Will you pray with me? God, we ask you to bless um, this bread and this juice that would be in our hands or near us at this time, that it would be the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I pray that you would allow us during this moment to open our heart to you. And, God, where you're tapping us on the shoulder, where you're prompting us, God, let us turn back to you. And, God, let us trust that when we turn to you, that on the other side, God, there's a goodness and a joy and a grace. God, there's a fullness of you in our life. And, Lord, we can't wait We can't wait, Lord, to fully celebrate that on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But God, in this moment, we come to you, we turn to you, and we ask you to forgive our sins. Amen. Please know that the blood of Christ is spilled for you and for all people everywhere that we might have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sin free and that the body of Christ is broken for you and for all of God's people. Amen. Please take and eat as God would lead.